Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. So, you know, this morning, I, I, I just want to bring you guys a little message. But before we jump in, let's uh, go to God. Let's pray. Let's seek him and let him rule this moment. So, dear Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that we can come freely and openly. I pray we never take that for granted, the freedoms that we have in this country, that we can come to this church and seek your word, worship your name, Lord, praise you, and we can go about our day and our week being strengthened by you. Lord, I pray for the message today. Lord, I pray I'm your microphone. Speak through me. Remove anything that you don't want to be in this message and put in your word, your thoughts, in your ways, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We love you today. Be with us and strengthen us. In your name we pray. All of God's people say amen and amen. So, you know, I'm curious. When you guys were younger, maybe this is just me. I always feel like when I'm up here, it's, it's, it's an open moment where we share and stuff like that. Um, but I'm curious. Look, when I was a kid, I used to sit there sometimes and look at either like a celebrity or a certain popular figure, or in my case, uh, sports figures, and I used to sit there and say, man, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it. Well, yeah, for me, my, 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 uh, my sport of choice was football. I guess, you know, I just like to go out there, the physical contact, the fun, the camaraderie, the team sport concept. I just, I loved it. You know, I played some organized, played a ton of, you know, park football, played in high school, but I started realizing as I went on in my, uh, football career that I did not possess certain things that were going to be needed to get me to that level. You see, in my head, I was faster than I really was. In my head, I was stronger than I really was. And it, I realized over time that, okay, maybe that's not meant for me to do. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not something I'm going to do. And needless to say, obviously, I'm not a professional football player. But I used to think that way as a kid, and I used to be open to the idea, but as time went on, I kind of let it go to the side, and I kind of settled down into wherever I was in life. Now, I'm curious with a lot of us, how many of us take that same concept, put it into our lives, or worse, we put it into the ministry and the call of God and the work of God and what he's doing in our lives? Now, now, maybe when we first give our lives to the Lord and we're in a church, you know, we, just like anything else, you're going to key in on certain people. You're going to look at certain figures and you're going to say, oh man, I'm going to be like that person one day. I'm going to do what they do. Man, that connect group leader, they're amazing. I'm going to be like them. That, that team lead over there, oh, the, the way they do stuff, oh, that's, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to, I'm going to lead those teams and I'm going to do an amazing job. Or, or guess what? God's going to call me one day to be one of those pastors, and I'm going to be one of those guys. And we, we go in with that thought process, and we're all excited. But just like I talked about being a kid, sometimes reality starts setting, and you're like, hey, wait, that's a, that's a lot more work than I, I thought it was. I just showed up, my, I showed up at my Connect Group leader's house, and the food's already prepared, stuff's going. I didn't realize how much work they actually put in. It doesn't just happen. You know, that, that team lead, during the week, they meet with their people. They schedule people. They, they, they go over expectations with people. Man, I already have a job. I don't, I don't want to do that on the side. That's, that's a lot more work. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's not for me. Maybe that's not what I really want to do. And just like talking about like being that mindset of like a kid looking at a celebrity or some figure we want to attain, 
We start to settle in. But that, that's something I would highly caution when it comes to God work, that we don't want to just settle in. We don't want to just become comfortable. We don't want to lay back and say, eh, this is good enough. I think I'll stay right here for a while. So today I titled the message, Why Not Me? Somebody say, Why Not Me? I think that's a question we should ask ourselves all the time. I know I do. That's kind of like a little reminder to myself. Hey, why not me? Why can't I do that? And I want to analyze what it is that's holding me back from attaining what I believe God's calling me to do or where God wants to take me. Am I the, am I the stumbling block? Oh, I, I don't want that, God. If something in the world derails me, I'll fight against it. But when I'm the one who's going to hold back from you, that then becomes the problem. I want to look today and ask ourselves, can we sit back? Can we truly ask? Can we truly believe? Can we truly seek all that God wants to do for us and always asking ourselves, why not me? Now, let me preface this. This does not mean I'm preaching today about what would be a worldly concept of success. You see, in ministry, God has us each ordained, prepared, and called to do a specific job. So guess what? My calling has led me to where I'm at now. Now, that doesn't mean that success in my calling means that I got to one day be a pastor of a 150 campus church. No. If I'm living completely in the calling of God, then I am going to be successful in God's work because I'm doing what he made me to do. I'm not going to look at somebody else. I'm not going to compare myself and say, I never reached that pinnacle. Well, that was their success in God's work. Doesn't mean it was mine. Doesn't mean it was yours. Doesn't mean it was any of us. But we have to always be willing to say, why not me? What am I going to be willing to step into? Now, the main verses I'm going to focus on today are going to be out of the book of Isaiah, Old Testament. One of the major prophets, with Daniel, Ezekiel, there was major and minor prophets. Well, Isaiah was one of the major prophets. Just to give you a little background on the book of Isaiah, it's 66 chapters. And what's amazing is scholars have broken it up into almost like timelines, into three different sections on the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters were Jerusalem prior to the Babylonian occupation. Then in chapters 40 through 55, that was the time going into and during the occupation where the Jerusalem was in Babylon. And then going into 56 through 66, that is the time where they're rebuilding the second temple. They've now been released from the bondage. Well, I'm going to read out of Isaiah 55. What do I love about Isaiah 55? Well, just like the timelines I talked to you guys about, Isaiah 55 is right on that timeline where they're going from their time of captivity to their time of freedom. And I think that's a beautiful expression and illustration of so many different placements in the Bible as well as in our lives. How often do we reach that point where we're about to get breakthrough? We're about to catch freedom. We're about to be released from whatever bondage is holding us. We can either take that one extra step or we can regress and go back. That's why I love these times in the Bible, those teetering points where people are making that choice, where the nation of Israel, where some of the prophets, some of the leaders are at that point where they can say, no, I'm not going to do it. Or they can ask that question, why not me? So if you have your Bibles, if you guys want to turn to Isaiah 55, we're going to just read a few verses out of there. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the big, beautiful screen in the sky. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. 
And it reads, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he, God, will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In verse 10 it says, For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. I love in verse 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. Now, what I love about stories like that, verses like that, times like that in the Bible, when you start to see the construction that God did in the world, when you start to see Old Testament prophets written in between around 600 BC, start tying into stuff in the New Testament and what Jesus did. People, that is a great architect. That is a great master who's in charge of everything. But then we start to question what God does. What what do you mean, Rich? What are you talking about there? Well, what I love is in verse 11, well, verse 10 and 11, both, it's talking about the rains and the snow that they come down from heaven And guess what? They do not return back up there, meaning they come down to earth for a purpose. They come down to water, feed, create life. They serve a purpose. And then he transitions that into likening it to us, that God is saying, my word will not come back void. And I love the way it says in verse 11 when it finishes up, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Well, what is the thing doing the work down here that God sent out. Anybody want to take a guess? It's us. Well, yes, Jesus, you're right. He did do the work. Then he commissioned us in the New Testament where he said, go forth and make disciples of the world. So Isaiah's talking here about the fact that God is saying that which I'm going to send out will prosper the world through the things that he's sending out. That's us. And it ties perfectly into what Jesus called us into the Great Commission for. See, when you see that orchestrating, that this is a time in the nation of Israel where they were going from captivity to freedom, they could have backed down and said no, or they finally stepped out and went forward because they said, why not me? Why don't we go forth? And I love how that transitions into the New Testament and what we're called to do. So I ask us today, if I had to put today's message into like a big idea or big question, it would be, why do we limit God from all that he wants to do in our lives? Now, I specifically say, why do we limit God? Because God, being the great God that he is, gives us free will. Free will is a double-edged sword because that means we have the choice to do what we want to do. But yet, he is not the one that holds back the power and the strength when we openly seek him for it. So I want to ask today, are we limiting what God wants to do in our lives? Or can we trust him and take the perspective that he is going to work through me? 
Now, if you're taking notes, my first point that I want to talk about today is don't miss God's call because you're afraid to accept it. Don't miss God's call because you're afraid to accept it. Now, I'm going to be honest. This generation, which I'm a part of, is a wee bit spoiled. You see, we have these amazing devices that are phones that we carry around with us, big old screen. And the beauty of it is anytime somebody calls you, what happens? It says right there who's calling you on the phone. Maybe you even have a picture of them so you can remember who's calling you. Well, how many times do we do this? Let's be honest. You pick up that phone and you go, oh, not right now. I can't right now. I can't deal this right. I love you, bro, but that's going to be a 30-minute conversation. I'm going through my own problems. I don't have time for that right now. I'm not going to answer the phone in this moment. Or I can tell you this straight up being honest. I tell people, if you call me and your number's not saved, leave a message because I do not answer the phone if I don't have the number saved. Why? Because 99% of the time, it's somebody trying to extend the warranty on my truck. I don't understand why. I didn't know this was that, I didn't know it was an epidemic that the warranty on my truck's about to expire. So everybody's trying to save me. So I'm definitely not answering it if I don't have the number. Now, the reason I say we're spoiled is I'm gonna date myself here a little bit. And those of you Gen X, baby boomers and back, you can, you can sympathize with me on this. Okay, we used to have these things called house phones. It was a neat device that hung on your wall with a cord. You would have to pick it up and you would have to answer it. Now, mind you, there was no caller ID. There was no way of waiting. That phone in your house would ring and you just have to ask yourself, I want to answer it right now or not. I have no idea who's on the line. I'm going to take a gamble. I'm going to answer it. Now, if you did not have a phone in your house you, or if you were out in the streets doing whatever, we had these other cool things called pay phones. So it was an amazing box, either by itself or on a wall. You loved using those phones because everybody else has talked on it and spit on it. So you're going to pick that phone up. And then you had to have this cool thing called a coin, not Bitcoin, an actual metal piece about yay big that has value. You would have to put it in the machine and call. Now, once again, dating ourselves, if you did not have any money, there was one extra step you had to take. And that was the dreaded collect call. Well, what a collect call is, is you would pick up the phone. It's one o'clock in the morning. Your friends ditched you at the Burger King and left you or your car broke down. Now, first you have to decide who you're going to call. Do I want to wake up mom and dad at one o'clock? Or does my buddy hopefully have his phone next to him and he's going to wake up at one o'clock? So first you got to pick. Then when you pick up, the operator says, okay, you want to make a collect call. At the tone, give your name because the person on the other side has to accept the charges and pay for it. Well, now... You don't actually say your name because what would happen? My dad, love my dad to death, and I love the fact he was tough on me. If I called at one o'clock in the morning, do you accept a call from Mitch McCarthy? <laughs> Click. I'm on my own. Figure it out, pal. Get your butt home. But what you would do instead is you have to have a system. So the operator would ask, okay, who may I say is calling at the tone? Record your name. Burger King, quarter of burden, nine, seven. Pick me up. Click. And then guess what? The person on the other side would pick it up. Yes, I have a collect call from Burger King, corner of Bird and 9-7. Pick me up. Do you accept? No. Then you go get in your car and drive. You go pick up your buddy. So that was just a little trick we used to do before we had these amazing cell phones. But the funny thing is you would always have to decide, am I going to pick up that call or not? Because I don't know who's on the other end and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm curious. How many of us do that exact same thing with God when he calls in to us? When, when, when somebody sits there and says, oh, I want to know about the call of God, okay, 
just to give you a heads up, let you in on it. God doesn't reveal to you what's going to happen in the end. Now, if he gives you a prophetic vision, that's amazing. But for, I can tell you, me in my life and most people I know, God says, here's the call. Are you going to follow me or not? You have to say yes or no. Read about Jesus with the disciples. Did Jesus tell the disciples, hey, it's going to happen like this, this, and this? No, he'd say, lay down your nets and follow me. Let the dead bury themselves, follow me. They would just have to decide yes or no. It's pretty simple. You're not going to put a spin on it. You're not going to put a twist on it. You had to decide, I'm either going to accept the call or I'm not. But just like somebody, if somebody called my house back in the day and I didn't pick up and they needed help, I wasn't going to be able to help them because I decided, ah, I don't know what's on the other end of that line. I'm not going to accept that call. And then I got to miss out on helping a friend of mine possibly or a family member. The same thing happens with the call of God. If you do not pick up that phone when God calls and says, hey, Rich, I want to use you for something. It's not, let's negotiate God, come over to the house for dinner. We'll talk about our plans. We'll meet in the middle. No, it's either yes or no. And I have to make that decision because the work of God's going to continue. It's my choice to get on the train or not. So I can either stay at the station or I can get on the train and let's go to a destination, God. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you. Well, I think sometimes we're the ones that hold ourselves back when it comes to that. We're the ones that will sit there and say, I'm not ready to take that on, God, until I know how it's going to turn out. Fear, anxiety, nervousness, whatever it may be, what is holding us back from saying, why not me? Well, in Romans 14, 8, I love, it says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Okay, it's pretty straightforward. Not necessarily the best pick-me-up verse, but it's pretty straightforward that whether I live or die, I belong to the Lord. So then what's holding me back? What's my fear? What's, what's stopping me? If I belong to the Lord, the Lord says I've already been spoken for. Jesus died for me. I'm going to go to heaven. And you can start playing it all in your head. We start asking, why not me? What's holding us back? If we belong to the Lord no matter what, why would he leave us, forsake us, abandon us, any of that, rather than if we answer the call and just trust him? Well, in Ephesians 2, 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Should's my favorite word out of that whole verse. Why? Should means it's on us. Should means it's my choice. Should means it's our choice. So basically what God's saying there is, okay, I'm his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, Oh, oh and, and God's already prepared this beforehand. So he's already, he's already telling me here, he's already gotten everything prepared. And then he finishes off with that challenge that we should walk in them. Should. Well, that brings me to my second point. Your view of God will drive your pursuit of God. How you see God and how much you trust God will determine how much you're willing to chase after him and how much you're actually willing to give up to him and how much you're willing to say, use me for that God. I'm going to trust you. What's my view of you? What's my perspective of you? You know, I'm curious, how are we seeing God? Well, I, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit of, of my journey in, in ministry. You know, a lot of people, you know, over the time, it's like, hey, awesome, Rich, we get it. You're one of the pastors here. So, you don't get it. You don't understand the struggle I'm in. Do, do you think we were born pastors? Do you think that I popped out in the delivery room and the doctor looked at my mom and said, hey, you got a nice pastor there? No, absolutely not. 
My life, just like most of our lives, has a BC time. We got a before Christ time. But what's amazing is when we take on the call of God, when we change our view and perspective of God, it opens up a plethora of things in front of us more than we can think or imagine or believe in. It's amazing when you take a step back and you just trust God. Now, for some people that want to get into ministry, leadership, or even one day maybe as a pastor and those online too and here, I'll share a little secret with you, secret with you guys. Just like there's secret societies that got a secret handshake, you know, and all that stuff, there is a secret in the church I'm going to share with you guys, but don't share it with anybody else. You got to say yes. That's it. That's it. It's not, I'm sorry if that was anticlimactic. I, I'm sorry. I set you up a little more than you thought. So I, I laugh because people are like, yeah, but we're rich. You know, what about your journey? Look, all I said was yes. I'm telling you, I came to church for years, never gave my life to the Lord. But once I gave my life to the Lord, I started serving. So I said it before. They take the really shy, quiet guy that I am, and they stick me behind a camera for years. I had to sit there shutting my mouth for hours on end every Sunday. But I did it with a smile on my face. I truly had fun. And one day, all of us know Louis Coyazo. We love Louis Coyazo. He called me over after a service. And once again, it was anticlimactic. He was sitting on the front of the stage. He says, Richie, let me talk to you for a second. And I come over. I go, yeah, what you got, big dog? He goes, hey, been watching you. We want you to step up and oversee an entire service. You sure about that? I worked the camera, bro. My wife and I, we went home and prayed about it because we knew there's always a cost. There's always a sacrifice with something. But we prayed about it, not for four or five or six months, like a day or two. And then I came back and I said, yes, I will do it. And every time they asked me something, I said yes. Because I didn't believe God was misleading me. If they were asking me to step up in ministry, okay, I believe this is a path from God. If they were asking me to go out and do something unethical, that's not from God. I'm going to say no. But I didn't make excuses. I just said yes. You want to know what the number one excuse I get when I, now I get the pleasure. I love going up to people now. And when people see me coming at them, sometimes I get nervous. He's going to ask me to do something. Yes, I am. So the mate, you want to know probably the number one answer I get because I used to use this all the time. Oof, Rich, I would love to help you with that, but I just don't have time. Okay, cool. No problem. You pray about it. Get back to me. I'm going to go find somebody else to do the job because I got work to do. We got to get stuff done here. Just like God, he's going to move on. So I would sit there and say, okay, practical. What's the biggest thing I had to give up in my life to make more time for ministry? Want to know what it was? Very important thing. TV. I watch a lot less TV than I ever did as a kid and a young adult. A true moment. I only watched four episodes of Game of Thrones, and they were the last four episodes. I went to a watch party at a friend's house. Got watched the last four episodes. That was it. I was not into the show. I never watched House of Cards. Uh, what's the other one called? Uh, Home Homeland or something like that. All these. I sit there in these conversations. I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I know it's a show on TV. I'm sure it's got actors. It sounds really cool. I don't know, but that's okay. I've realized in my life, the things that I've decided to sacrifice and give up really were not that big a deal. And honestly, I don't really miss them all that much because if I can let certain things out of my life go so that I can do more for God, then I'm not going to miss a darn thing. And I say that as a challenge. I say it straight up, people. If you really want to be used by God, if we truly want to accept the call of God, if we want to do everything we can for God, it is on us. It says it right there that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our choice 
our call. I don't make excuses. I'm, I'm one of my own toughest critics. I don't make excuses for myself. I either do it or I don't do it. If I don't do it, that's on me. We should walk in them. And I challenge you guys with that. And I would say, what helps us with that? Well, just like I said, our view of God will drive our pursuit of God. How are you viewing God? I think sometimes God, as we read in Isaiah, his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Okay, I think sometimes we put that in a human perspective. It's kind of like if I'm talking to, let's say, a genius-level physicist, I really have no clue what they're talking about. So, yeah, their thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's true. I think we try and prepare and explain God in that same thing. We try to bring him down to this realm that, yeah, your thoughts are a little above my thoughts, God, but I know what's going on, and you just know a little more about what's going on. And I think what happens is sometimes we minimize our view of God. We bring it into a, a view that we could process. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. It's kind of like looking at the night sky through a telescope. Let's say you're looking at the night sky through a telescope. Well, it's going to bring that vision down. In fact, I'll, we'll give you guys an example of what it's like to look like at the night sky through a telescope. Still beautiful, still magnificent, but I'm controlling my view there. I'm going to decide if it's in focus or not. I'm going to put it there. I'm going to move it to the east, to the west. I'm going to move around. I'm in control, right? I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the vision, and I'm going to bring it down to something more processable on my level. I, I can almost count the stars there. I can, the problem is what happens when that becomes our view and our perspective on our pursuit of God. Okay, if my pursuit of God is based on how much I can envision, we're not going to go very far. You see, I can tell you right now, being an honest moment, I used to think for years I had a fear of failure. And one of the people at councils in my life, I have a couple of them, one is Pastor JP. And I've been reminded I don't have a fear of failure. What I actually have, and it's sad to say, like many of us, I have a fear of success. I'm almost afraid that, okay, but what if it does go right? I'm probably going to screw it up. That's not really a fear of failure. You have a fear of getting to a successful point in your life and then you're going to lose it. It's actually a fear of success. And I started changing my perspective. Well, if, if God wants to use me and God's calling me, why am I diminishing God to only a view of what I can process? What if I'm telling God that I'm only going to do in my realm what I can process? That's my view. What's, let's say what if I was able to take a step back and take in the whole thing. What if I was able to view, let's say, the whole sky at one time? and see what God was doing rather than, rather than this, what would the whole sky look like? Hmm. Dang, that's, that's a good picture right there. That's nice. I can't possibly process that. That's stars. That's galaxies. When I said about trying to bring God's perspective of my thoughts or above your thoughts, me standing here, if I was out in a field looking at that sky, I'm a speck on a rock, three over from the sun, spinning at 20-something thousand miles per hour, orbiting around a ball of hot gas that would burn me alive in this perfect cosmic setup, yeah, I don't think I can be the same as God's thoughts, ways, and actions. See, that view of God right there, that's humbling, but in a good way. I don't want to know all God knows. Trust me, I don't. I don't want to know God's ways. My head would probably explode. I cannot possibly process all that God wants to do in my life. But if I'm going to pursue after him with everything I got, 
I have to change my view and perspective of him. When I go to God, see, I think sometimes we lose this perspective. We take for granted that when Jesus died for us and we are told in the Bible that we can humbly, I mean, that we can boldly approach the throne, that is never in a disrespectful manner. That is a gracious gift that none of us deserve. We still approach his throne with boldness, but with reverence and respect. He is not our equal. He is our God. And I think sometimes that we will limit our chasing after him based on our perspective of him. So I ask us today, can we accept that call? Are we afraid of success? Are we afraid to step back and trust God and see all his glory and all that he has? Well, my third point, I'll wrap up with this is, don't box up the gift that God gives. You see, what's, what's cool about a gift, you know, if any of us have ever bought real presents, I know I cheat sometimes and I buy a gift card, not a real present. And, but if you buy a real present for somebody, you take it home, you put it in a box, or you cheat and put it in a bag with tissue paper. But if you put it in a box and you wrap it up, I have a gift I'm gonna give to somebody. I'm gonna control when I give this gift and how I give this gift. Hey, your birthday's coming up, but you upset me. You didn't like me. You said something mean to me. I'm not giving you a birthday gift. Don't even ask about Christmas. And I'm gonna hold that gift back. I got it in this box. I control it. It's mine to wield. I'm curious if we do the same thing with the gift and the calling of God. You know, God, this is, this is a little much for re- me right now. I'm not too happy with everything that's going on in my life. I'm not too happy with the ways things are going. I got too much on my plate. I'm about to break down. I'm stressed out beyond belief. I'm gonna take that gift you gave me, God. I'm gonna put it in this little box right here and I'm gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna box it up and I'm gonna set it to the side to be opened at my leisure, to be open at my timing. Can I tell you, family, we will lose out on all that God wants to do for us if we do not fully receive the gift he has given us. You can't control it. You can't box it up. You can't limit it. You can't tell him how to disperse it. It's his and his alone to give, and he gives it freely. I can tell you right now, I've learned in the times that I've said no to things, you wanna know who missed out on what God was doing? Me. Never once when I've said yes to God in something he called me to do, whether uncomfortable, didn't make any sense, couldn't process it, he has let me down a total of zero times when I have said yes to his call. But let me tell you what, no, no has left me at that train station more than once wishing I had gotten on that train because I realized God, he ain't got time to sit around and wait for you. Even Jesus Read Jesus when he had encounters with people. He'd be with them. He'd talk over them. He'd pray with them. He'd say, go forth and send no more. And he went on his way. Jesus didn't have time to sit around for a year with you. I got three years to do my ministry, people to change the world. I got to move on. The train is going to keep moving. You got a choice to get on it or not. You can trust that if you get on that train with God, it's like a train on a set of rails. It doesn't veer to the left or the right. It goes straight to its destination. It's going to go where it's going to go, and it's going to get there. You just get on. you got to trust the conductor is in charge. He's going to get us there. He's going to lead us there. I have no clue. I have no control. Take a train ride or a plane ride. You really feel like you're in control? No. The same thing with God. I hate to tell you this, people. We're not in control, but guess what? It's a beautiful thing because as long as God's at the helm, 
He's going to keep it on the rails. And as long as you decide to stay on it, don't jump off. You're going to get to the destination. May not be the way you thought, may not be the way you want, but you're going to get to that destination nonetheless. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20, it reads, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, and get this, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Going back to Isaiah, my ways are above your ways, my thoughts are above your thoughts. Jumping over here to Ephesians, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Now, I don't comprehend all that God is doing. What I do comprehend, just as all the saints have comprehended, that I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to follow you, God. I'm going to believe you're in control, God. It doesn't mean I have to comprehend your process. It doesn't mean that you need my stamp of approval for what you're going to do. But I can tell you right now, I'm going to comprehend and trust that you know the way, God. That just like you said in Isaiah, that the waters and the snows are going to fall and feed the earth. That which you send forth will prosper, and your word shall not come back void. That is in every one of us. That is given to every one of us. We have to ask ourselves, are we going to answer that call? Am I going to view God with the right perspective? Am I going to open up the gift that God has given freely? Now, I can tell you one of the worst things that happens when attacks come from the world, that's bad. When attacks come from the friends and say, there is no way you're going to do that. You're crazy. Ask my wife and I, we had family and friends and when we started coming to church here and serving every Sunday and coming on my days off, they actually asked, are you guys in a cult? Are you okay? I mean, we laugh about that now, but they were like really serious. It was almost like an intervention on some cases. They were like worried about us. I'm like, why would you ask if I'm in a cult? Because you're, you're just there all the time. Yeah. Okay, but, but, but your life is so different. Yeah. But you're not doing all the same things you were doing with us before and doing all this. Yeah, you, you actually get it. You're just not processing it because you don't comprehend what God is doing. And when we have that comprehension and we have that, that the voice has come and the worst voice is actually not the ones from the outside. The worst voices in all of our lives, I can almost bet because I know it isn't mine, is the voices right here. I, I said earlier, I'm my own worst critic. Well, sometimes my criticism of myself can drag me down. I have that fear of success, that God, what if I do get there? Well, if you give me all that, God, there is no way that I can handle that. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I'm with you. Remember what I said in Ephesians, Rich, that, that I prepared you, that, that it's my workmanship, that you should walk in them, just walk in them and trust me. And when those words come in my head and when those words drag me down, I always go back to the one place where I can find solace. I go back to the one place where I can find strength. I just always go back to the Word of God, and just like His work, it's never let me down one time. So I would recommend these verses for you guys. If you got that in your head and you're knocking yourself down, Psalms 44, verses 4 through 8. You are my King, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. 
Through you, we push down our foes. Through your name, we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. When that enemy in our head, our own selves, gets down, the word of God will push it down. When that enemy tells us we can't do it, our God will speak up for us. If God says, I got you, why would you not trust him? If God says, I'm going to use you, why would we not trust him? If God calls, will you answer that call? So I ask again, why not me? Somebody say, why not me? If we can all stand to our feet, I just want to take a moment and, and pray for some people, pray for a group, give an offer. If we could all just bow our head, close our eyes for a moment, privacy. You know, maybe if you're watching online or if you're in this house, you know what, maybe you've never made that final decision. I came to this church for years before I truly surrendered my life to God and started chasing after him. If you've never made that decision, whether this is your first time here, first time in a church ever, or you've been coming for years, and God sees you where you are online as well. That if you've never made that decision, you've never said, God, I want to give everything to you. I want to surrender. I'm tired of being in control, God. I want your gift. I want to accept what Jesus did for me. It is so easy. That's what makes it so beautiful. That Jesus came down over 2,000 years ago on this earth. God the Son in human form, lived as one of us, preached his word, and died horribly on a cross so that each and every one of us can have that gift of salvation. And the amazing part about it, all it takes is that you just sit there and say, I believe in you, God. I accept that Jesus Christ died for my sins, and I receive your gift of salvation and give you my life, God. And just like that sinner on the cross next to Jesus, he tells us that we will one day be with him in paradise. That's the beauty of it. So wherever you are, in-house, online, if you've never made that decision, don't wait another day. At the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand just so I can acknowledge you. I'm not going to call you out or put a mic up to your face, nothing. I just want to see you, and then you can put it down. So if that's you, if you want to receive that gift of God, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Amen. I see you there. 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 Amen. Amen. I see you there. God bless you guys. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And once again, if you're at home or wherever you are, you can pray this prayer too. God sees you. So if we can all repeat after me as a, a family, say, Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for my life. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for my salvation. I want to follow you and I want to love you all the days of my life. Be my Lord and be my God. And it's in your precious name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen and amen. Thank you, First off, congratulations to all of you. That is the best decision you will ever make in your life. And with that, we want to make sure to put a free gift in your hands. We have this amazing New Believers Bible. 
It's free, no charge, no strings attached. We have amazing team members that'll be holding them up outside at the tents. Go out there. We'd love to meet you, pray with you, give you a free Bible. If you're online, just text DECIDED to 33222 and we'll send it to you. You don't want to miss this gift in your life, free from us to you. So make sure you guys get that before you go. Hey, to the rest of you, I hope this message blessed you. I hope it encourages you. And I hope we're all ready to go out and kick some butt for God. That's what I always say. So we're going to pray it out. We're going to worship God one more time, thanking him for who he is. So dear God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that you are the Elohim. You are the Almighty God. You are the one that has called us. You're the one that has saved us. You're the one that will use us. So Lord, I pray we walk out in strength. I pray we walk out in boldness, that we fully receive what you have given. Lord, and we always ask, why not me? 